Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, comrades, compañeros, welcome to the fifth column. You know this voice is not Camille Foster, don't you? Are you turning off your your set right now? Is that the set? It's like the fifties. Good night <laughs> it's and good like a luck. Damn radio. Yeah, <laughs> are you turning off your CB right now, good buddy? Well, don't. Camille Foster. Let's start this way. You know who I am. I'm Michael Moynihan, Vice News, and to my left. Matt Welch, who pretends to work at Reason Magazine and uh, goes on Bill Maher most of the time. <laughs> I realized coming over here, I'm wearing a Bill Maher shirt, a fifth column hat, and a Reason like hoodie. I oh, well, at least, you, at least you gave Reason the hoodie. Since like 1997. That's very nice of you to, to acknowledge them yeah. for once. So we are here, um, just two of us. Mm-hmm. We have a third person. You're gonna, you know who this is already, and you're gonna, we're gonna get to it. But the reason, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that Camille Foster is not with us right now. I mean, we're, you're used to that phrase, aren't you? Camille Foster's not with us. But we have something very exciting. If those of you who listen to the Patreon, you know this already, Camille Foster is moving east. And he is, as a matter of fact, on a plane right now. Well, you, well, not right now. You, you'll get this a couple of days later. We do that for security. <laughs> yeah. So you don't shoot it out of the sky yeah. like KAL or something. So he's coming to D.C., um, with his uh, beloved wife, his child, and uh, soon to be second child. Right. And he will be commuting between D.C. and New York so we can do this podcast in person because COVID is over, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. It's over. I've just declared it right now. I am uh, Ned Lamont. <laughs> I've decided that it is <laughs> over and we're going to be doing this in person. And we, you know, Matt, that it's so much better in person because... <laughs> Zoom, the overtime, nothing works. No, it's terrible. It it's terrible. And you can't it's hear terrible. the clinking of the ice that I'm going to put in my glass to make oh, yeah. this tequila soda yeah, taste a little it's bit not better. It's tequila soda. It's a tequila it's just, fresco, it's, you white trash monster. It's a Paloma. Let's, but um, so what we're doing now for the next couple, maybe maybe he'll be back next one. I think that we might have one more. And by the way, that guest is going to be great too. But we have someone who's not a guest. Mm-hmm. We don't consider this person a guest. We consider this person filling in. For somebody who's on the DL, uh, that's that's he's a down low guy. It's <laughs> Thank not, you. Not the disabled list. Camille Foster is the hammer. Mary Catherine Ham. It's me. It's you, CNN contributor. Yes, Substacker. Now I pretend to work a lot of places. You pretend much like you Matt. don't do anything. Uh, yeah. You are essentially uh, leeching off various I'm a, systems. I'm a brand. How many you know, COVID a, checks a, did you did you cash this year? <laughs> She's got three kids now, so that's I wow. Do. What's up, Romney? How many kids do you have? Now? Three. <laughs> And I dress them all alike, and we take uh, ex- a Christmas picture. Exactly. That's They're what all we do. Tig and trap and <laughs> it's true. Von trap. It's true. They're good. They're good. How are you? So there's uh, eight, eight, six, and three months. Three months. Well, she abandoned this. the three right. month old. I did. Literally like just in a dumpster in Manhattan. But isn't it true, Mary Catherine Ham, the hammer, that when you have the third one, you just don't care anymore, right? <laughs> I mean, they're right. She knows. She knows. <laughs> she came out knowing she that I you, wasn't was going like, to have a lot of bandwidth here. Yeah. Hair. Yeah. She, yeah. You, she looked at you and just started laughing. <laughs> she was like, you know what? Fuck this. <laughs> I mean, even my second one was like, yeah. Peace, mom. I got you. Do you remember the first one when you you handled them like an egg? Yes. And you were like, oh my God, I'm going to drop although, them. And although it's I, be- I will say this, and I consider it a compliment. 
I used to come up to New York to do work and I'd have my my first kid with me, my first yeah. born with me, and I'd I'd book some random care.com uh yeah, sitter yeah, sure. and have her come to the hotel and they'd be like, Is, is this your first child? Yeah. I'd say, yeah. yeah. And they're like, doesn't seem like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so so I knew that I knew the third one would be in a gutter. Yeah, I used to know? book them to come to the hotel and they'd be like, Where's the kid? And I'd be like, just just don't <laughs> ask questions. You are from Ukraine, right? <laughs> There's a huge crisis there, and I want to talk to you about it. The hourly rate seemed very reasonable. And, yeah, and then I just dim the lights. But yeah. Let's talk about yeah. invading the Donbass. That's what I call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, why are you doing that? Why are you shaking your head? I whatever. Need All right, experience. Fine. Yeah, you just, you wish Camille was here, don't you? Kind of. No. Uh, I would point out that back in the days of the greatest television show ever yes. made. And yes. Apologies to both of you. And that's what's made- happening now. <laughs> <laughs> the Brady Bunch reboot in 1990, uh, the independence on Fox business uh, network, mm-hmm. which is the network I used to go on. Uh, yep. and, uh, um, is there a network you haven't been banned from? I don't really think so at this point. Um, but, uh, <laughs> when, so that was with, uh, Camille Foster, Matt Welch and Kennedy, MTV's yes. Kennedy, yes. our dear friend. And, um, Kennedy would go on vacation on sometimes. Yeah. And so when that happened, we would have the fill in Kennedy. Yeah. And, uh, and this is actually a topic the of, Arizona I've never told Kennedy. you this. Yes. Um, Mary Catherine came in for at least one week on one of those. Wow. Um, a host, you hosting with, I mean, we're, we're all, that. we're all like sharing, sharing the ball. Matt trying to get some credit. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think now they brought in a professional. I, I think that week I read prompter. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh dear. Um, yeah, I know the, the industry like secrets Joe Biden all of a sudden. No, it's Alexander Egg. Um, I, I got Mary, Mary the Catherine's from the ham, but yeah. we would have conversations <laughs> with the uh, producer of that fine program. Um, talking about like, who is, who is the fourth in the yeah. world? And there were basically two candidates. Uh, one was unreliable mm-hmm. and one was actually really good. The one that uh, was unreliable Michael Moynihan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I didn't want to do it. Uh, and the one who was actually good was Mary Catherine Hamm. Do you, notice, do you notice in Fifth Column listeners notice this that I started showing up when the Patreon started uh, going? If you give me some money, I'll come. Because I'm a true. capitalist. That's true. But That's true. It, the, the guest hosting stuff, I mean, I think I did guest hosted uh, on Sirius for like six months before they gave me, I think they gave me like a chocolate eclair bar. Who yeah. replaced you in that job? You did. I did. Yeah. Cause I was like, fuck this. Did you get a chocolate eclair? Uh, no, I got like two chocolate eclairs before they stopped, uh, yeah. feed, feeding the beast. They no, didn't I, see me I, swelling. I liked doing that show. And, uh, although I will say when, when Fox hired Kennedy, I thought to myself, love her. Yeah. Love yeah, her. Yeah. Also, uh, how many brunette libertarian chicks are they going to have room for at this network? Well, there are three and in she's America. More, she's more famous two, than I am. It's so. just you two. So who's the third? Catherine. Is there a third? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ward. Yeah. Well, she always she has like dyes the yeah, purple, purple streaks and all that yeah. stuff. I, well, we're happy. So Matt told me because he's a creep and he was on Instagram. Oh, by the way, Kennedy just followed me back on Instagram five years later, like last week. So thank you, oh. Kennedy. I assume she's going to ask me for money or something. I don't know what that is like. Maybe she's become diabetic in addition to all yeah, the other maladies. Yeah. <laughs> so she, yeah. Love so Matt was Love watching, you. Uh, you know, whatever things like TikTok or something. And he saw that you were in New York and uh, we all got very excited and, and, and you're here. So here I am. We have a lot to talk about. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out where we're going to start because the world is full of fucking morons. Yes. This has always been true, but in the battle for supremacy between the morons and the half morons, the morons are really winning right now, I have to say. And 
The Joe Rogan thing is, of course, we've uh, discussed this quite a bit. And usually these little explosions, kind of cultural war explosions, there's so many of them, we just kind of go through them fairly quickly. The Rogan one felt a bit different that everybody was lining up against him and, you know, people putting pressure on the rock to like flip. I'm like, what is, what world are we living <laughs> in now? And uh, I, I tweeted a, something yesterday, last night, I think, a um, couple drinks in, and I tweeted something from the Washington Post, which I think was sent to us oh, from the listener. Oh my God, yeah. From Karen, uh, uh, just Karen. This is, you can just go with she's Karen. A, I mean, she's a Karen. Uh, Attila, Attila or something. I can't remember who defended Rogan. But, oh, oh uh, Andrew Yang. And said, you know, he is friendly with and has staff and, you know, has a lot of black people that are in his life and the rest of it. He's not a racist. And this the is what Andrew Yang had said. Yeah. Yes. And then the Washington Post uh, writer said, you know who else knew a lot of black people? Mm. Slave masters. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Yeah, my, my shit broke. My phone broke. He's lying to me. It's missing from me. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is fucking crazy. And so that got, that was like, I don't tweet very much. And that one kind of set me off. That's the, uh, the, the theory that we floated, I think uh, two or three years back of like, I actually don't know your precise uh, background besides being some kind of Georgia trash, but yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that, that covers it. <laughs> that's pretty much the end of it. <laughs> but like, uh, that's national champion trash. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, True. But like, uh, since people don't actually work for their college newspapers anymore, yeah. they don't get their college newspaper columns out of the way. Exactly yeah. right. And that's the college newspaper. You know what? Column. I didn't work for my college newspaper. See, so maybe. Although I was a, a newspaper writer right out of college, but I didn't do my college newspaper. I, I worked I worked for, a, an, at the time, very cutting edge, onlineathens.com. Wow. Right. I, wrote, I wrote for the website, but I didn't get my college columns out of the way and it was good because they would have been online and everybody wouldn't be able to yeah, that's find right. them. That's we don't true. want that. No, we, you know how, we don't You know how that. I avoided that and Matt avoided that? It's just being old. It's, yeah. it's all the shit that we said. You know, I was right on the cusp. That. Right on the cusp. Yeah, because I mean, that's the thing. It's like, if you go back, so here's actually an interesting question because this is something that we can relate to personally, Mary Catherine and I. We, um, I think, met each other kind of both when we came to D.C. a long time ago. And we had a lot of friends in common and a lot of those friends now hate each other. <laughs> and a lot of the friends are writing columns about each other in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so rough. And, <laughs> Jerry you know, just people. And it's really interesting because a lot of those people are saying things that are sound like they're attacking their earlier selves. Mm -hmm. They're like, you know, these neocons and they want to invade this. And I'm like, Motherfucker, you know I have Google, right? That shit still works. I don't have to put a quarter in it. I just fucking fire it up for free, and it tells me what you believed five years ago. Yeah. What has happened to all of these people? I don't know, man. I'm I'm a studious non-combatant in these wars. Are you really? Yeah. I. I, I mean, publicly, surely you, you have observed trajectories. Yes. Oh, I've observed for sure. I I just I just. Who sucks the most? Let's hear it. <laughs> I just, I, re I really, I really value my personal relationships yeah. with people and I do not call them out in public. Usually yeah. you, well, no, that's not true. Sometimes on live TV with my colleagues, but. Oh yeah. But none, no old friends, no old friends. No, but you see like, I have, I mean, I yeah. have been on TV with crystal and been like, am I to the right of you now? Is what are we, what are we, what? Uh, oh it's my a, God, it's a yes. strange, strange feeling. Yes. That's a strange feeling. Can I tell you that uh, if you remember that I remember very clearly uh, sitting, <laughs> talking uh, with Bill Crystal at your wedding. 
mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. And uh, I looked over, and the person that intro this is a very DC thing, by the yeah. way. This is why I moved to New York. More, right when this more happened. More DC than checking the index of the book? Oh my God, yeah. yeah. No, when this happened, like I left Mary Cousins' wedding and I got uh, one of those Chinatown buses to New York because I was like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> and uh, uh, that in- uh, conversation was interrupted by uh, Juan Williams. Uh, we had a nice conversation. But Bill. He's, he's just, it's not even like the neocon thing. He's just kind of like, did he create a pact to support Democrats? Isn't that Terry McAuliffe. Yes. Terry McAuliffe, which I, I, I would, you know, again, did, I, I value my personal relationships, but I, I think that was the wrong choice. Yeah. <laughs> he, Bill Crystal spent pack money to back Terry McAuliffe. I don't know about the money, money part, but, but just he the rhetorical support. Terry McAuliffe, yes. I mean, cause that's interesting to me because Glenn Youngkin is not the person that Bill Crystal broke with the party no, over. This is right? what blows my mind about a lot of people in that position. Yeah. Yunkin is very much not that person. It, it, and yes. yet everyone wants to try to convince me that he, well, now he's, uh, he's definitely that person. Yeah. But he's not. Well, when he's they get elected, they become, the, they become less of the that fleece vest of fascism. It's, it's fine, guys. <laughs> if they had had fleece, you don't think Gehring would have been wearing it? Come on. Not to cast too many aspersions, but I can't help but think of the people who are most likely to have gone from being Republican kingmakers and sort of plotters. Yeah. And Bill Crystal, and he would own this definition, has always just sort of been, right. you know, the project for the new American century was a desk somewhere. Like it wasn't an actual. That's thing. when everyone was conspiracy theorizing about this. They're like, they were planning this. And I'm like, you do so realize that, many that was just projects. people collecting money and they had a PO box. <laughs> He's got like 25 uh, different yeah. projects over the years. Um, but the people who do that kind of stuff, um, they're part of what they're always doing is sort of a, a Machiavellian is the wrong word, but just they're, they're plotting. They want to get their right. fingers in to, uh, practical politics and new coalitions. And then if they're interesting sort of intellectual writers and, and, uh, and schemers, they can kind of build some good editorial product out of it, which this is something that yeah. came to mind when, I, or I learned a lot when I was uh, researching a book about John McCain, like the role of the weekly standard and Bill Crystal and David Brooks, they were kind of inventing uh, national greatness conservatism as a vehicle for John. McCain. Those are three things that no longer exist. They just don't. Bill Crystal, none of it. David Brooks and, and national standard. greatness. Yeah, it, well, weekly standard. Yeah, well, national greatness. It's but national lot, terribleness. That, that's, that's in danger. <laughs> a lot of the dudes who are around the uh, the Lincoln Project, right? Which is a group of people, many of whom were part of those former projects. Steve Schmidt, uh, and, uh, and also yeah. half of them are, are so part of the McCain Project at various uh, times. But like. That's what they're they have always been able to raise money for people who have political right. dreams. Yeah, like right. exact uh, partisan political dreams. And then also the outsiders from this who want to believe in something and throw money at it. So the conduits of these things. And so it makes sense that all of those people or many of those people would then basically uh, after the rise of Trump be working for the Democrats. I should work on doing more of that. You yes, should. but no. But yeah. Look, <laughs> I you're, you're publicly happy. said, I want to be a scam artist. <laughs> more of that. Dude, you know what's me. amazing to me is that I saw a clip of this the other day. And if I were Steve Schmidt and I was to do a live hit from my house, I would literally go into Red Fox's junkyard on Sanford and son. And like in front of an old, like broken down Ford from the eighties or something. He, there was a live hit that he did the other day and it was like in his living room in front of this roaring fire in this no. enormous, like palatial. And I was like, dude, hide that shit yes. because the first thing when I think of is like, 
oh, there's the scam artist guy who's like taking everybody's money to do what? I don't know. But here's the thing that I wonder. And, and Mary Catherine, you know a lot of these people and you don't have to name names or anything. But I would understand if a lot of these people said, you know what? The Republican Party is in the thrall of this psycho. Yeah. And he's an old guy that is going to disappear from the scene soon. I mean, being soon 10 years. Um, you don't have to express fealty to him all the time and try to be a mini Trump. Cause all these people think like he won. So if I do my impression of him, I'll win. I understand if people like bill crystal and, and others say, well, I want to take this party back. I want to take it back to one that believes in small government, that believes in, you know, the principles of the free not market. Not that Bill ever did, but go on. Not that Bill ever did, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the, 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 I'm not saying him in particular, <laughs> but, you know, be a kind of free market party. There was a, a link today, actually, on, on the Drudge Report to a piece by Jay Nordlinger, a guy that I've known for a number of years, saying, you know, what happened to this party that used to, like, deify Reagan? And almost to a disturbing extent used to deify Reagan. And didn't really get I'm him. I'm sorry, there's not a disturbing. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I know you have a tattoo. You have like a tattoo of Ron Jr., it's which back, I think is weird. It's a back yeah. piece. <laughs> Full color. So he, like the thing that was weird about it is like, why don't people make that play? I don't trust people that all of a sudden have a different ideology. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it was because of my environment because I was at CNN. So, I, you know, I'm the, the odd man out. But, but to I, be clear, you also worked at the Weekly Standard. You actually yes. worked for Bill Crystal. Right, right. Yeah, and yeah. but at CNN, I argued against Trump during yeah. the primaries. Yeah. Against Trump during the against Trump during the primaries. By the way, when everybody was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> "This yeah. is going to sink the GOP. It's going to be so fun, right?" Everybody's yeah. having a good laugh. Yeah. Um, who he was on the John other, McCain. Who was on the it's other over. side? Yeah. Right. And I was like, "No, no, no. This is bad. It's bad. It's bad. General election. This is bad. It's bad. It's bad." Uh, however, that did not mean that everything we thought that was bad about him was true. true yeah yeah so i sort of i don't know i don't know how to, nobody knows how to navigate these lines but i attempted to keep my my principles do you do the throat while clearing also all the time which throat in depends sen- on which kind you in, mean. well in the sense that like what we do i think in this podcast too much um i mean you always assume that you're picking up new listeners you're hoping so you're like if you haven't listened to the past 450 <laughs> episodes let me explain how what we believe but you know it's when you are not defending donald trump but defending a guy that you loathe against charges that are untrue. Yes. yes. And you're like, well, hold on guys. And it's like, no, 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 we can say whatever we want because he sucks. And like, you have to, you know, jump into the breach and say, well, that's not true because we were pretty anti-Trump. I think on the podcast from the beginning. Right. I mean, I've, I've, I've written at least one, maybe two magazine cover stories that basically the cover line was why Trump is horrible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the viewers will tell you that I'm just, unfailingly pro Trump. Just a huge just a huge fan. Is that true? Yes. Well not is it that true that you believe that, but that's no, what people say. To you? That's what people say. What do conservatives say? Do they think you're a bit of a squish? Oh, they're no, they think I they think I died five years ago. So everyone hates you. They they're like, oh, do you still work in TV? Oh wow. Because they don't switch they don't switch the channel. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Oh, because you disappeared from Fox. Like, oh so you no. were a Fox contributor for a while, right? Yes. For how long? Eight years, nine years? And you completely unharassed, by the way. Oh wow! I was un- so upset. About I was unharassed, <laughs> and I had Didn't I been twirl. had I been harassed, you would have heard about it immediately. Yeah, possibly on live television. Uh, Roger Ailes was neither professionally nor personally interested in Did me. Did you ever wow. meet him? Actually. I never met him. Yeah, I didn't even, yeah. yeah, Not that I was. Well, he didn't yeah. want you to twirl either. You <laughs> yeah. know what? You're not a ten. Matt. Ne- neither Matt nor 
athletic brunettes were the were the thing. That, are you saying not, I'm not an yeah. athletic brunette? I don't know what's yeah. going on. What's well, let me call a timeout on that. There was a New York Times story this week that apparently, according to a new book, Sarah Palin. Did you hear about this? No. Sarah Palin. Uh, I can't remember who wrote this book, but it's, you know, a mainstream journalist uh, doing a thing on the Trump years that she had said to her handlers and the people around her, never allow me to go into a room alone with that man again. Mm. About Roger Ailes. About Roger Ailes. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. I and, I, which I guess allowed her to go and uh, leave and do a uh, bear hunting reality show for the fuck she did after that. But, I mean, look, that's the path that I was looking I know. for. And it didn't pan out <laughs> it for me. It just did not. You can't quantify what your politics are in an easy way. And that's why we like you. But you are somebody who's been around the conservative movement for a long time. You kind of entered journalism through what I would say was the mainstream conservative movement. You worked at town hall a very, very, very long time ago. What do you make of that conservative movement that you joined then to what it has become now? I know it's a big question, but huge question. Yeah. But a lot of your friends, I mean, it's affected relationships. It's just very different yeah, in the past 10 years. It is. Uh, like I said, I, I, I try to be sort of a non-combatant in these, in these wars to, to the, to the extent that sometimes I don't write for various outlets if the people at the outlets are fighting with each other. I'm just like, I'll, you know, I, wow. I prefer wow. these friendships to this fight. And, and maybe that makes maybe that means I'm not contributing enough to defining what this conservative movement will be. But I got three kids. So, like, what the <laughs> hell, you know, uh, but it is uh, <laughs> actually let me tell two stories about Moynihan. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, that's they're, they're not super can, embarrassing. Can, can you hit the stop button? There? No. <laughs> nope. Where's, Can I do the Bill O'Reilly and just cut her mic? Where's the cough drop? <laughs> yes. um, so, no, when Moynihan and I met, we met on a junket to Israel. I know what you're um, going to say, actually. And, uh, and he, he and Jamie Kerjik both, yeah. Moynihan more upfront about it, were just like... I drink a lot. Because I was on, I was on Fox when I met them. And Town Hall. Town Hall was another thing. And, yeah. and he says to me, yeah. I thought you were going to be a real douchebag, but you're like yeah. smart and funny. Yeah, no, it's actually true. We were in... Um, I don't know. I think the bombs were falling. Uh, we were in like Mahmoud Abbas's like living room or something. We were in Israel in this junket and uh, there for a long enough time that we were having a really, really fun time. There's a, a bunch of journalists from all over the political spectrum. I won't name the people on the left there because they'd probably, you know, lose their jobs at this point. But there was, it, was a good, it was a good mix. And there was a one point where I said to Mary Catherine, like 750 drinks in one <laughs> night. And I was like, you know, I really thought you were going to fucking suck. Cause you were at like town hall. You're going to be this like, <laughs> and I was like, this is actually surprising that we're having a good time and you're really smart. And then we became friends. Yeah. But I admitted up front that I, and it what? will give you insight into my personality that I was like, thanks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you stabbed me. <laughs> left me I was like, yeah, you know, left me bleeding in it. front of the dome of the rock. I get it. Uh, <laughs> and then years later, I would say, let's see, probably five years later. Yeah. Uh, I saw you at CPAC. This is, this is charting my journey. I saw him at CPAC and, uh, we were having, we're having a drink again. There's a theme. (laughs) We're having a drink again in one of those lobbies in the, in the, in the big Gaylord. And, uh, that's the name of the hotel people, by the way. Don't try to cancel Mary Catherine for that. (laughs) And at one point he looks over at me and he says, I know what happened to you. And I said, what? He said, you're one of those conservatives who hates conservatives now. (laughs) Did I say that? Yeah. I was talking about myself. I, was, was, like, I wasn't a conservative, but I just hated conservatives. It might have been, it might have been some projection, but I'm sure there was a little wow, bit. Of, I said that like over the course of those years, I'm sure yeah. there was some 
it was a different feel mm-hmm. at the CPAC than it had but, been before. But it's, you're also it's also true that you're not a pugilist in the way that uh, our friend Jonah Goldberg has been. I mean, a lot of the uh, the contributors, and I don't think you were one of them who were in, in the against Trump issue of uh, National Review, like in uh, yeah. in January or February of 2016, yeah. which is a fascinating document. Go yeah, back yeah. and read the bylines there. Who are writing very interestingly and for the most part, from my point of view, correctly about. By the way, just to quickly interject, there's two pivot points in conservatism that you see through cover stories in the National Review. It's that one and David Frum's unpatriotic conservatives in 2003, I think. Both of which have echoes that like carry out to this day. They they keep coming back. Um, I I would say at least a third of the people who are who bylined against Trump um, went for him and uh, like totally and like started like a. Uh, defending him but like you weren't you've never been that kind of uh showy um i you know in the kind of david french jonah goldberg we have to define conservatism differently now in this space like it's right. like you didn't feel the pressure I, you, you didn't. I think it's partly because i was i was at cnn so w- making that stand is something i already did before the problem became president and i felt like i had said i had said my part on that and then when the, the Russia stuff kicks off, I just wanted to remain skeptical of this thing that did not seem like, as I kept saying, there doesn't seem a lot of there there. I, I just mm-hmm. like, like there are many things that are bad about it. I just, I just yeah, don't that wasn't, buy yeah. this. And yeah. so I wanted to be in that place. And that made me look like to all the viewers, oh, she's a, she's a big pro-Trump person. Um, so it may have just been, I, I um, as a sort of a natural contrarian, I want to fill the spot that's not filled and I want to speak for people who are not spoken for. And at CNN, that means sometimes just translating Trump voters. Yeah. And I was comfortable doing that because I did think there were reasons to go that way when faced with a Hillary Clinton or a Trump. I didn't do it. I couldn't do it. And then I couldn't do it the second time. It wasn't, even mystif- then I was, it wasn't mystifying to you. No, it was. Yeah. No, I, I didn't. I couldn't do it. And the second time I didn't do it. And then January 6th happened. And I was like, that's why I didn't do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Did you vote in 2020? I did. Who did I vote for? I think I probably wrote it, wrote in The Rock or something. Yeah. Should have written in Joe Rogan, speaking of which. There's a, my, probably the favorite piece that you have written um, uh, that I've read, because I haven't read the recent Atlantic piece, which I'm sure will be my favorite as soon as I get to it, um, about uh, masking. But is um, in, I believe, 2009 or close thereafter, you wrote a piece I've referenced many times, including like last week about going back. Remember the the freak out about all the team, yeah, yes, the, yeah. uh, the 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 town hall meetings. I remember the stories. The town standard. halls. Yeah, 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 yeah. So back then there was a series of absolutely panicked, mostly op eds, but also uh, straight journalism as as uh, at least identified as such, talking about the the kind of the, the politics of the jackboot. Yeah. As uh, E.J. Dion uh, put at the time, that these meetings with Congress people in 2009, in which people were really upset about Obamacare uh, deficits and other things like that, and many times angry, and in like two or three times in open carry states, people would come open sure. carrying yeah. at right. a rally, which is yeah. unnerving to people who yeah. aren't from open carry states, which is at this point. It's low. probably unnerving there too. Uh, it could be unnerving there too. Um, but there was this sort of, there's a generalized panic about this. And Mary Catherine uh, went and actually <laughs> counted all the rallies and all of the violence. Cause there was just a natural assumption that there was a ton of violence yeah. there and found 
none. Like basically not. It was it was almost nothing. It was like five incidents and like three were by so, Democrats. So if I remember correctly, there were 500 plus town halls and people raised their voices. I don't know if you guys know this. They raised yeah. their voices. Yeah. And uh, people found this very disturbing. And so I went back through and looked for police reports. I looked for anything that had, you know, photographic evidence or was written up in local sources. And I believe I found 11 incidents that you could call contact. I mean, some of them were just like someone stole a poster from someone. Yeah. That was it in the whole thing. Eight of 11 were liberal on conservative hmm. from what I could gather from all of this. And I just thought this is the, by the way, it reminds me that I should put my mind to things like that more often, but, <laughs> but it's, but for those of people who don't remember, the narrative is what you yes. were challenging, right? Because yeah. the chat, the, the narrative was that there was a ton of violence, right? That this was just that, that, that the Republic, yeah. that the Republic was about, to implode. I mean that that was the Sound message. Sound familiar, people. <laughs> well, and and I think I think this actually to bring it together with the conservatism conversation. This is what my ideology is now: is that just like sort of skepticism of the narrative mm. and the desire to be someone who is actually analyzing what is happening and trying to give people a voice who are being denigrated. That's basically all I want to do now. Yeah. I'm not sure what the larger project is. And so, like. There doesn't have to be one. It, yeah. it must be interesting having that had that background and done that work to look at the way that Justin Trudeau talks about the truckers in Canada, the way that the Department of Homeland Security had another report out warning about right wing extremism. I think this week, mm-hmm. something like that. I sent you a clip from the CBC. Right. Uh, this, this can't go wrong at all, guys. It'll be fine. Yeah. The feds it, looking into the domestic terrorism. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be, it always ends well. Yeah. yeah. People who talk about COINTELPRO. Don't see any resonance of that in uh, modern times. But I sent you a clip from the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, not the Congressional Black Caucus, of uh, a guy saying, um, they just had some guest on, some anti-racist organization, saying that he'd never seen so many swastikas and so much Nazism uh, in one place. And so I did what we have been doing. And again, let's be very clear about this. I don't really know much about the mechanics of the protest, who's doing it, whatever. Just the most basic thing that you do as a consumer of news, I'm not Canadian, I don't really have any investment in this, is you just look and say, can I see some of these things? Right. And the one thing, I saw Josh Marshall, I sent you this tweet too. Josh Marshall had tweeted something and he was like, you know, guess who's at these protests kind of thing. And it was a screenshot of a news story. And it said some conservative member of parliament was giving a speech in front of a swastika flag. And this is the one example everybody has used. And it is somebody, conservative MP, who then went and denounced this, by the way, speaking and someone behind him had a Canadian flag in which they'd drawn a swastika on the maple leaf, not as a pro-Nazi thing, as of saying that the government, now this is ridiculous and and over the top and should be, I don't think it should be condemned. It's just stupid, right? And people do this all the time. We saw this during the Bush administration. Every protest had Bush with a Hitler mustache. And uh, that was never conceived of as, as Nazi propaganda, right? It's exactly the same thing, but the people are the wrong people doing it. And this narrative is, it really rankles these days, it especially rankles now because we're using the language so much of misinformation, disinformation, and it really doesn't kind of, you know, I want to talk uh, about your piece about masking too, because, you know, it occurred to me when thinking about the Canada stuff is that you know, we ban people from platforms from this stuff. I suppose if you were flying a Canadian flag with a swastika, you could ban for this. 
we don't we only ban people for mis- misinformation in one direction. one direction. Yeah. And it's amazing because the covid hawkishness, I guess is how you would describe it, where people say things that are flagrantly transparently untrue and the example that I saw was after the the Neil Young fracas. Uh, I went to his website and he had this thing about how kids were just in danger. They were nobody's taking this seriously. The piece that he had posted was by the definition of these people, I don't categorize these things as this way. I just categorize it as a stupid piece that deserves debunking if it gets spread far and wide. Uh, but by their lights, this would be misinformation. Yes. Right? I mean, wh- we're in this place now, right? That, that you know, back when you were reporting on the Tea Party stuff, I, that, that wasn't a word that was used No, we didn't do that all. as much. That's new. The debate was stupid, but it was not as stupid as, yeah. as it is now. So when it comes to the trucker thing, what I've yeah. been doing is I've wa- I've watched the CBC and then I've watched the sort of aligned news sources yeah, like Rebel News or something. And then, things, yeah. and then I sort of split the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, that's that's probably where this is. Yeah. But it, it just annoys shit out of me that the leader of this country who has what looks like you know, of course there are funding mechanisms and of course there's going to be some astroturf and of course there's going to be yeah, some bad actors. Of course. But this seems like some people have some issues with the radical disruption of their freedoms and their lives for two years. And like, maybe, maybe we should give that a hearing. I don't know. And maybe the media could not act like oppo research and just go out and put the cameras on it. Has anyone pointed out, by the way, I thought this was this evening when I was driving into the city and I heard something on NPR about this, that these guys drive by themselves. Yeah. Has that not occurred to anyone? The masking thing? Like these are people that, that are in the cab of their trucks. The, yeah. Vaccine or uh, not masking a uh, vaccine. Oh, they're in the cab a, by themselves. <laughs> I mean, they they're not like, <laughs> it's like the garbage men in New York city. Like uh, we're really going to enforce a, a vaccine mad- mandate on the garbage men of New York city. <laughs> it's also, just what the, do you think they're going to do? They're fucking hauling garbage. Yeah. They're not ah. like breathing. It's garbage. By the way, if you're a garbage, you should also get like all of the, you should be allowed to do whatever you want. Cause that's a pretty rough yeah, job. It, it's, it's New just, York's strongest. Also, this yeah. is just broken, broken risk analysis, which is what I wrote about for the Atlantic, which is like when you, when we, when the pandemic started, mm-hmm. the message was stay home, stay safe, mm-hmm. which is simple, but also discourages and in fact demonizes individual risk analysis. So we ended up in this situation where something that humans are not great at to begin with, we got worse and worse and worse at it. And then being bad at it was actually like social capital, like being bad at assessing your own risk. That's very right. That's a very social capital. And so so that it just became this loop. And now we're trying to extract ourselves from it. And the people who demonized people who wanted to make individual risk analysis and say, for instance, hey, low risk children should probably go to school. They want us all to pretend that that didn't happen. There's this weird thing happening right now because it, it's it's a stampede away, a Democratic governor stampede away from COVID restrictions <laughs> that has happened in, in just the last week. Yeah. New York, California, New Today. York, Connecticut, right? um, uh, Delaware, Rhode Island, Oregon. All these places in the last week have dismantled some or announced the beginning of the dismantling of some, except for schools in about half right. of those places, including New York. We're like, ah, we're going to wait. And see about at the end. And this is happening 
We're going to wait for the, the people who are least at risk. The people who get sniffles, <laughs> who we're going to wait on that. At risk, I wrote a piece for the New York Post today, which they, they said, you know, they wanted a headline. They wanted me to put a, to, to, to criticize Randy Weingarten. And the headline was like, Randy Weingarten, the most evil person yeah, during yeah. COVID. Yeah. It's like, every time you write one of these things, and I'm sure uh, uh, Mary Catherine is the same thing with you, uh, like, you forget about how absolutely bananas the risk analysis has been. Yes. You just go back and like, uh, you know, you refresh like, all right, let's look at the CDC stats today during the pandemic kids from five to 17 school age kids, the ones who we're asking to mask in the 13 states that all voted for Joe Biden by an average of about 15 percentage points have a state mask ma- mandate. Um, uh, and so, okay, well, what's the risk of these kids? How many have died? Uh, in two years, of the pandemic of of COVID, four hundred and ninety seven, yeah, six hundred and thirty odd have died of pneumonia in the yeah. same time. We did all this for that. There's this sort of <laughs> Chris Hayes, who again, sort of a friend, and and uh, and James Surowiecki, the uh, the New Yorker writer. There's this effort afoot to among people who know ex, that the ex New Yorker writer who uh, know that they're losing the argument. I mean, they're like literally losing the argument this week everywhere. Um, could be uh, saying like, well, um, you know, it, it's these people who didn't want who don't want restrictions. That's what they were saying back in April of 2020. And that was the wrong thing. Is they've just been saying it forever. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we you know, well, broken clock, even if that's true, it doesn't mean it's not true now. But the uh, the the response is like, no, dude, we were saying this in the summer of 2020 fall yes. of 2020 yeah. when there actually had been some new information that was useful yes. no, i will never forget there was a there was a piece at npr in june of 2020 about the children of essential workers who were taken care of in ymcas all over this great country thousands tens of thousands of them they and this was not a you know peer reviewed study and then randomized and all this mm. stuff but taking lessons from that, NPR said, I don't know, they, they were unmasked, they were distanced, they did a lot of hand washing. There was like no transmission, hand no transmission. Matter, yeah, and yeah. these are the children of yeah. doctors and nurses who are working in the thick of it in the yeah. very beginning of the pandemic. And by June, we knew that this was a safe situation. This was something yeah. you could do safely. But isn't it and they weird? just pretend yeah. that we don't we didn't know that. It's also strange that, you know, w- w- the the language of this debate, which has been so frustrating to me, of the language of science and believe yeah. the science and, and, you know, I am science, which is my favorite. I'm going to make a T-shirt that says I am science. <laughs> um, and when people push back on this stuff in crazy ways, right, there's a lot of that. And that's just going to happen. You know, Joe Rogan disappears. The number of people that don't trust the vaccines is not going to move an inch in either direction. So that stuff, you just say, well, uh, that exists. You can do the best you can to say, no, vaccines are very good. I'm glad I've been vaccinated. And if I get this thing, it's not going to have really any effect on me. But the problem is, is we've gotten to the point that when I say that, that is a problem. Yeah. Right? To say it's not going to have any effect on me. It's like, well, it reminds me and is redolent of that initial stage that it's no different than the flu. Right. That's what people were saying in, in, in 2000, who were, you know, feeling their way through this like everybody else. And a lot of people said that and a lot of people changed their minds on that. And if we say that now, because the evidence has changed and says, you know, this particular variant, one of the weird things about this entire conversation is um, today, this morning, I brought my daughter to school and we were early 
shockingly, we were early. And I think it's because I was hungover. And I, like, yeah, what head, happened? Well, my head hurt. Were you just like up a, the whole night? <laughs> yeah, well, I went to bed at like four and I got up at six. I was like, I feel like shit. I'm like, babe, gotta get up. We gotta go to school. So I, I was going to school and we're early. So we go to a coffee shop. And the first coffee shop we go to uh, is in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. And I said to this, a little, a little Italian place, and the guy's a super nice guy. And I was like, is there a place that we can just eat the, you know, Coronados or whatever that we just got? No, the government came and shot us down. Actually said this to me. And I said, why? And he said, well, you know, we had um, standing tables. And they said, you didn't have the right X, Y, and Z for the standing tables. I said, okay, fine. So we go outside. It's freezing outside. We're right by the water. And my daughter says, can we go to the other coffee shop where they actually have tables? And I said, sure. Like, let's just, I'll buy another coffee. So we go there. She takes her food. We buy another coffee and, you know, buy the coffee. Everything's fine. We sit down. Probably within 15 seconds. I was surrounded by the, the st- random Stasi agents shouting at me in German. And I said, wait, what's going on? And they said, we need to see your vaccination card. I said, oh. okay, fine. Show them my vaccination card. And I said, leave. I don't know if I have yours with me. I have it in a, somewhere in my camera roll. And the woman, who's nice enough, you know, she stands there patiently. My daughter's 10. For about five minutes while I'm trying to find this fucking thing. There's people, the line's getting bigger, and I'm like, I have it, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? I think we're just going to have to leave. And um, I ultimately found something that wasn't, I don't think was even hers. I just showed it, and they said, okay, fine. Um, but I thought at that moment, what is the purpose of this right now? Yeah. Not only is she 10, She's not but the vaccination, vaccination thing was like, that doesn't even matter anymore. When 96% are Omicron variant... It, the, being vaccinated is not preventing anybody from spreading this. So why are we not adjusting the science in real time? I'd like if, to thank our sponsor, Ivermectin. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, we got rid of Pfizer as the sponsor. <laughs> no, it's uh, children especially. Yeah. They are not in grave danger and they are not a grave danger to others. And yet we have treated them as if they are. And it's. But what about being vaccinated to go into a place when that no longer matters for spread? Yeah. This is what I say about the truckers. The truckers have a point. Yeah. We're driving around. We're delivering the things. Uh, you can spread if you ha- have <laughs> had the Sorry, vaccine. You just or like you- Bill Cosby. <laughs> we're delivering the things. And we're in the truck and we're you, doing You this. can spread either way. So, like, I didn't think that morally the vaccine mandates were a great idea. But now, logically, they're not that justifiable. So yeah, I don't, that's a good point. It's a shift from moral I, to logical. Yeah. And I think also something, and this is something I should be used to as a libertarianish person, but the pandemic brought it to light anew in, in very real ways. I just don't care as much what other people do yeah. as other people do. Like, I, yeah. I'm not invested in making Kyrie Irving get a vaccine who died today. Yeah. Did you not hear this? Well, that was just the be... Brooklyn Nets who have died. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets died, and he died along with them. That really real... would have been a problem for my point, uh, yeah. which was that... No, I... the, the way that people were invested in Aaron Rodgers yes. losing. It's just... He must lose because, I mean, he looks a little tired, yeah, frankly, a little, little peaking around the yeah, e- yeah. edges. But because he's kind of a MAGA douchebag talking against va- vaccines, like, we have to root against no, him. I'm just, I'm, like, why? It's I'm, just, it doesn't bother me. Kyrie Irving is not making the worst calculation in the world he's a young healthy guy um sorry they're gonna i'm banned now he's actually a professional (laughs) athlete professional athlete (laughs) still probably in pretty good shape yeah and like i just at some point i realized oh did 
did much of the country and especially in blue metro areas just think that 100 percent of people would be vaccinated immediately and that there would have no one that would have objections to this yeah that's what they thought yeah like 40 percent think the Rothschilds can like control the water supply i mean there are people that have really bad ideas in this country weirdly they mapped onto vaccines too and you didn't need Joe Rogan, who, by the way, started his career kind of as a conspiracy theorist. I think he hosted a conspiracy theory uh, show or something, didn't he? Like on some channel. I think that was like he didn't believe the moon landing and all this right. stuff. And it's funny, way before all this controversy, he was on his own podcast. I saw a clip of this when he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I was dumb. I thought the moon landing was fake. I don't believe that anymore <laughs> because I was young and stupid. And, you know, there's a, a particular like type of person who's interested in conspiracy theories yeah. because – there's a, it's an easy way of explaining the world. You don't actually have to do any of the homework. It's it's so yep. simple. Like this, it's, it's surprising to me that more people don't believe in crazy conspiracy theories. But we're at this point now that, to your point, that like they're not a danger to certain people. Uh, you know that are just kind of you know looming around them and and in life. And the people who actually are really upset about this don't actually interact with many of these. No, people. they or or anyone or any really. Yeah, and if they do, like, and if they did. I would say to them, I think you're making a mistake here on the vaccine stuff, and that's going to negatively affect you and has nothing to do with me. You might die, and I'm going to feel bad about that, but uh, I don't celebrate anybody's death. And it also, it goes the other way where where people, and it's like with love, I don't want to be a jerk about it, but people who have stayed inside their homes for much of two years, or who have shielded their children from life for much of two years— I want to say to them in a way that I would say to some people who were might might be high risk and not getting the vaccine. Like, I I don't think this is the maybe the right calculation for yeah, you. Sure. Like, yeah. the, the, you gave up a lot of stuff, and it yeah. might not have been the right call, and it might not be the right call moving forward. We we also have a sunk cost problem because people are yes, very, very invested so. in what they've been doing for yes. two years. Yes. I think there's also like gradations of conspiracy theory. I was thinking about you this are today, aren't you? Some cost problem, uh, <laughs> but like because of partisanship and the and and the kind of tribal belief systems more about the people that you don't like yeah. than the people that you do. Um, opportunists will find a way to use that um, to kind of rally you in their self interested directions, mm-hmm. and I'm a little bit obviously a focus on Randy Weingarten at the moment, but like the greatest, who you believe to be the most evil person, (laughs) evil Heinrich Himmler, (laughs) evil person. But, um, the greatest gift ever given to her was by Donald Trump and Betsy DeVos, not by doing anything wrong. Yeah. They actually, for the most part did something right, but with the usual, like Trump 10%, like really, um, which he came out pretty strong in June, 2020 of saying school should be open. Okay. That was a terrible, uh, yeah, impersonation. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, it's been a while. He's been off the scene. That was like, big he, pussy they, from the Sopranos. <laughs> they've censored him. I, I That's the character's name. I'm, Don't come on. Relax. Uh, but because of that, because Betsy DeVos is also, a, has always been a hate figure. Uh, yeah. I well remember the, uh, candlelight vigil against Betsy DeVos at our local elementary school in, uh, uh did you participate? I did not. Uh, Michael, uh, did you say, I know Betsy DeVos and you, Sir, I know Betsy <laughs> but this was a wonderful thing for Randy Weingarten to see to say, oh, look, you know, here we go. Um, so because the bad person that good liberal people are don't want to agree with is saying this, 
then this strengthens our position to describe uh, schools as being potential super spreader events, which was yeah. advertising copy in American Federation uh, of Teachers um, uh, ads in, in August of 2020. Um, so they could ride that all the way until November 2020. And what happens in November 2020? Not only does Biden win, but suddenly Randy Weingarten is trying to, to re-edit herself as a champion of school reopening. God, how amazing must it have been to be Randy Weingarten's PR person at the beginning of the pandemic and somebody came into the room and they said, is Randy here? Yeah, she's in there. Randy, I got to talk to you about something. Your enemy in this? Her brother is Eric Prince. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, this is a, this is manna from heaven. It's- no, 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 no. She's like a Trumpy person. Her brother is Eric Prince. Let's go after this person. I mean, that's essentially what we, uh, you know, and I like making a joke, but it's actually true in the sense that that's the level of debate that was happening early on. And the weird thing is that it hasn't evolved in any way. The people who pretended that they were, you know, really interested in the science are not talking to you about the risk factors with children in any serious way. But it, but it has evolved in the political way. And what that's what's so delicious about watching yeah. this right now. The only joy that Mary Catherine and I can have in, in this because we're surrounded and we live in places that are affected by this. Yes. Uh, you don't, Michael, because you don't participate in society, as we well know. I haven't seen my kid since she was born. Yeah. Actually. Uh, yeah. Why start now? Um, yeah. But is, it's a guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that uh, after the debacle in Virginia, mm. where Terry McAuliffe was supposed to win and literally his last campaign rally. At his last campaign rally, he had Randy Weingarten. It was like, amazing. Like, yeah. how, well, how could you do, like Glenn Youngkin? You know, is only- parents shouldn't have any <laughs> no. oversight into what their kids learn. It's what is am- wrong with you? It's amazing. The the mom- uh, you just lost the election, my friend. The moms in Northern Virginia are so based. They're so red pilled. <laughs> I, I walk into events yeah. where where women were just you know sort of like you know their military spouses, their suburban moms, the frog they're tattoos. not basically <laughs> they were not super political they're yeah. center right maybe but a, a handful of them pretty liberal anti-trump and anti-trump and then it's and then it just they kept their kids out of school yeah. for a year for a year and oh, oh hey, michael's hey. dying again um that means we're done with this podcast <laughs> ladies and gentlemen mary Catherine ham has really just gone over the line yes. she hates children yeah. and she might be I, is she racist i don't know Probably, Can we do a super cut of her? <laughs> Virginia? I mean. I will say this before I run out the door for two seconds. We have a number of listeners who have emailed me and said, dude, why are you letting your blood sugar get so low? We have a lot of type one diabetic listeners. That tone, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, mean my blo- means my blood sugar is at probably about 61, which means that it's about half of what it should be. So if I've said anything that yeah. is stupid or offensive, it is that. It is not me. It is not who I am. Continue, people. Yes. Keep going and fill us up with ice <laughs> after you. Yeah, I'm going to get some ice. Yeah, get yourself alive. Okay, so we just go. Yeah, just we just go. go. Yeah, 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 no, no, go. No, no. Okay. Um, no, so the, so the moms are totally red-pilled now. And it in retrospect, because I, I, I never I never like to get too far out on a limb, but I was like, guys, I really think Virginia is looking different than you are reading it, right? The, all, the sort of conventional wisdom was like, well, sure. Youngkin could do better than the average Republican, but is he going to pull this off? And I just, what I felt in my community, which is very blue, super blue. Where do you live exactly? Uh, I'm in Fairfax County. Right. So like, so this is one of the worst actors in all of this. D.C. suburb, super closed, super Um, closed, super closed for a year. Fairfax, arguably worse than 
Northern Virginia schools were surprisingly worse than DC's and worse than New York's for being open right. a number of days. And, and they uh, were trying to close for even longer from what I remember. Yes. Like, like, let's and people extend were this. so mad. I was talking to, to moms in, in Alexandria and Delray, which is basically like Park Slope of Northern Virginia. So liberal whose kids with special needs could not get into a school building and they couldn't have aides come to their homes. The aides were prohibited from coming to their homes to help them. It was ludicrous. While the boards, uh, the school boards are telling them, oh, well, you, you just want your babysitters back and you want your brunches. This is a lot of people realized I didn't know that this was an adversarial relationship that I have with the school board. But now I know that. And then it became a gaslighting relationship, which sort of felt abusive. And people were pissed. And that is why the governor of Virginia is Glenn Youngkin. I mean, it was amazing to watch not just that happen. Um, and the the I mean, it was the clear polling results all throughout was like this was the issue that that people were talking about different gradations again of the of the issue of how many people were talking specifically about schools being open how many were talking about CRT how many were that right. weird situation in that one school district but um it was, it was schools it was definitely yes. schools and um and it was portrayed a lot in the first days or the days leading up to the election when it was becoming clear that this was going to be a challenge and the first kind of shell shock afterwards on cable news is like, see racism. Yeah. How did that feel? How did that, how did that register on the ground with your good liberal moms? So, so here's the thing. Y'all thought you could close schools for a year <laughs> and not pay a price. That is legit. Insane. And it's not racists or weirdos or white supremacists who made it happen. You decided that you could close schools for a year and you would get away with it. And it turns out, no, that's not how that works. Now, I do think the CRT thing was a result of parents getting more involved with their school's curriculum because they were like, hey, What's going on here? They're paying attention at school board meetings because they want their children back in school. And then once they're trying to fight to get their kids back in school, and by the way, being called child sacrificers along the way, they find out what their children are being taught. And even if they, even parents who agree with some of this critical race theory are like, they've been out of school for a year. They've been out of school for a year. Um, and it was, I, it was just infuriating in so many ways and continues to be. Um, I know you experienced some of this, but I, I like the I like the uh, sort of 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. email that there will be no school the next day or the next week or the next week or what have you. this over and over and over again. And when Randy Weingarten came to Virginia, everyone who was invested in schools being open knew exactly what she was about in a way that they had never known that before. I, I talked to a lot of women who said well, I didn't really know or care about teachers unions until now, but now I know exactly what they're about. And Randy Weingarten is the symbol of that. And Terry McAuliffe was like, please come stump for me. And I was like, please. Come. I actually jokingly tweeted, please have Randy come stump for him. And then she did. <laughs> I mean, he spent the, he, he spent the entire campaign. McAuliffe did trying to make Youngkin wear a Trump tattoo. Um, yes. Youngkin, who never invited Trump in, Trump tried to try to get it in on the action kind of late, late. By the way, by the way, 
one of the things the Republican Party, speaking of the conservative movement, one of the things the conservative movement and the Republican Party needs to figure out, how did he keep him away? What is the secret sauce? That's true. How did he? I don't know. know. Uh, uh, No, the, uh, the shocker on that day, besides the shocker on that day, was also what happened in New Jersey, right? Where I don't even know who was running against the the Phil Murphy. Man. <laughs> yeah, it was like the the, the trucker running against uh, yeah. Phil Murphy, but Phil Murphy almost almost lost, and it, he is the a one very very small margin, he and won. he yeah. is the one who is driving the bus among Democratic governors right now on and holding meetings with Biden and saying, yeah. you know, can we can we rewrite these CDC rules in order to do, we're we're going to get out from under it, and the and the Biden administration. I want to get your reaction on this. Uh, uh, Mary Catherine is uh, so uh, uh, what's her face? Rochelle Walensky, who in the private sector in 2020, when she was in Boston, yes. was saying that it's important to keep schools open, like whatever it takes, um, and then allowed her rules to be kind of rewritten and the thumbs on the scales by the uh, teachers unions. Just she, a little. She said yesterday we're recording this not even a thumb on the scale that's a full ass on like the scale. Full ass, a big, she fell asleep on the scale big ass on the scale uh she said yesterday tuesday of this week like now is not the time to get rid of masking mandates in schools now is not the time why not right there's no time there's no time there's never and th- time, this no. is th- just throughout this thing schools other other kinds of uh rules and regulations too show me the limiting principle Show me any limiting principle. And if you can't, I'm not on. I'm not on board. And that was so much of this. Have you? So are your kids in public school, private school, so, Star Wars we've school? We've had an odyssey. <laughs> they were in public school. And, uh, out. and well, they, yeah, they <laughs> Big kick out. Well, yeah, you know, problem. we're an open carry family. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it turns out that babies. it turns out that's frowned upon in the public schools yeah. <laughs> in Northern Virginia. No. So they went to public school. Uh, we had the spring of 2020 and we did the online school, which was a total bust in our uh, uh, very our vaunted school district, really celebrated before yeah. this time, um, spent millions and millions of dollars for this bunk ass thing that didn't work and <laughs> kept the kids offline for three weeks. And I was like, OK, fine, whatever. I'm going to handle this. Then we did a little bit of online school. It was a disaster. And then they tell me that we're going on. I, I filled out every survey like I will send my kid back like frontline, frontline, <laughs> let her take the covid. But it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> And uh, and they didn't listen to me. And when they changed from the possibility of hybrid to all virtual with no scientific change in anything, I said, OK, we're like, this is this is not a real thing. Yeah. They're, they're not going back. I saw the writing on the wall. I yanked them and homeschooled them for a year. Oh, so now God. they're very problematic. Yeah. Super yeah. So were you. No. Yeah. yeah. So we did an open carry homeschool. Yeah. <laughs> With Bible verses <laughs> and uh, University of Georgia Bulldog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we did that for a year. And Civil uh, War was about states' rights. And I didn't put that much pressure on myself. <laughs> it's not part of the curriculum. No, I mean, it's your home curriculum because you're fucking insane <laughs> and you're from Georgia and that's you teach your kids. I mean, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, no, but I didn't, I didn't put too much your pressure. Your daughter lost her deal with Spotify today. <laughs> Unbelievable. She's nine. It's too much. We, <laughs> we made so many millions off of that. Uh, no, but I, I didn't t- put a lot of pressure on myself cause I thought whatever I do will be better than six hours of zoom. Yeah. And it turned out that was true. It is, yeah. Uh, and they, they learned quite a bit, uh, partly cause they're mostly cause of their hard work, but now they're in a private school nearby that showed its ability to go back to school in 2020 and 2021. And I could trust them 
not to do insane things. And uh, they're doing great. They love it. They like being back at school. It's weird. They didn't like hanging out with me all day. You know, it's hard. It's hard to believe. Yeah, no, that's most people um, have believe. the same. But, I, yeah. but I'm a parent who and I think you're the same. Matt, like you had to chase me out of public schools. We uh, the plan was that I was going to send them yeah, to the neighborhood yeah, sure. school. My uh, I, I never went to anything except for public schools. My yeah, wife is French. So, you know, communist. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's, but, that was a that's a violation. The, my, the, the beeping is like, don't call your wife a communist. <laughs> She's a supporter of the, co- of the podcast. <laughs> yes. She pays the Patreon. Exactly why. People. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a reminder. Yes. Patreon plug. Yes. Um, but uh, no, but uh, French and they, there's a strong belief in the public school system there. And that was always that was part of the reason why we moved to New York, uh, ultimately, because we were in D.C., which you guys know. And that doesn't have the greatest public school system. And we are people who like to live in town and not move to the suburb. And so when uh, our oldest was getting up school age and there's that, you know, TV and, and not wanting to live in a city that's beige uh, where where all the, all the dudes look like mutual friends of ours. (laughs) (laughs) And all all the girls were those pearls. Um, (laughs) Uh, but uh, did an uh, Ann Taylor loft blow up close to here? It did. <laughs> uh, but like, so we we came here and um, and we wanted and we, you know, we paid for a, 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 a consultant to to have help us choose yes, yeah. the best public school. Um, and uh, and it worked out great until it didn't. And uh, and so our youngest is in private school now yeah. and probably will be for the duration. You're and, a nice white parent, aren't you, man? I mean, my this oldest is, goes to the nice white parents school, know. you know, as uh, yeah. you know, well, but, um, uh, yeah, I didn't ever expect to be there and it's an unhappy place to be. Uh, and it's, and not just for the, you know, it's the extra money. Uh, but it's, it's also like the idea that, uh, you know, uh, for me, private school was for fancy people who yes. wanted to kind of shunt themselves off from the riffraff. And I, as a natural born riffraff, uh, always resented that and didn't want to participate. in But that. if you're a real riffraff, you understand that you don't want your kids around the riffraff. Well, see, no. that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, you well, know, as, my, as yeah. Georgia trash, you know, I wanted, yeah, yeah. A I wanted a, a sort of trashiness yeah. for my children. And that's okay. They get that at home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, my, and my daughter who has been, um, cosseted. Well, can I say this now? Is well, she doesn't listen to the podcast. She's fucking 10. Um, yeah, she's, so, yeah, she she's, we've been trying to get her into different, uh, good schools and she's very, very bright and has uh, great academics and is a shockingly talented, uh, athlete to rank gymnast. Yeah. Like, you know, nationally and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, I look at her and I think, you know, if Michael had just a 16th of that drive, you know, yeah, he'd yeah, really, yeah. yeah. He'd really make something of himself. I can run at the vault, but I just end up running into it. I don't get to the jumping bit. If you uh, can look at his nose, his drive was about like punching about people, people in hockey. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, I mean. It's the way of his people. That's why I don't understand any of the racial politics, because my racial politics were like Irish against Italians. And it was just like. Intro- so yourself against yourself. Yeah, it was intro white <laughs> fighting, uh, which is what we called it. Um, no, she's just being rejected from every school that she's applying to right now for, for various um, pretty obvious reasons. But uh, the, her being in private school now actually has been a great boon. It's been fantastic because we didn't have that you're at home all the time thing, even from the beginning. I mean, there was she was in school a lot. Well, the, and this is much, the thing much, that's much, a, much more. That's insane about all this is that the the neighborhood school, the public school that I was going to send my kids to. I was very I was excited about it. It was half a mile from my house. We were walking to school. It was it was adorable. Yeah. It was adorable. Yeah. 
And then that one shuttered. Yeah. And the one that they go to now, which is half a mile from the public school, open the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No problems. No problems. Less adorable. <laughs> no problems. I mean, less open carry. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, but you're paying a lot of money for that. No, no, but I do think so many parents, and there are so many parents, God bless them, that had fewer resources and less flexibility than I did. And I tried to, I, one of the things I tried to do at the beginning of the pandemic, and I was so scared to do it because the social shaming was so great. I offered other working parents, if they wanted to drop their kids at my house for Zoom school, that I would watch them. But it was so scary to do that because people would be like, how dare you have children at your home? Really? And that like, that was wow. an issue? That, well, that I'd be a super spreader or something oh, weird wow. like that, you know, like that, that, that I'd have an event at my home. This is in the very early days. I was just like, but I wanted to help people like people were in a did really you, bad place. Did you ever think that maybe it was that you were a super spreader of bad ideas? Well, I mean, that was probably part that's of that's actually, that's my title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, in it's, every it's job on your neck, in every job. Weirdly. Um, no, but it, there was this weird, the social shaming of, yeah. all, of all this and like whether you could gather or be inside or what have you. And, um, but people had no resources, mm. some people to do, to do what I did. And it just, illustrates that hey if i could just have that big old chunk of tax money yeah. that weirdly hasn't gone down even though the schools and those parks were closed for a year uh if i could just have that well no, the i could amazing, do a lot more with that i shot a story for showtime for the for our showtime show and it was about the very early on in the like COVID economy as a matter of fact the first thing that we shot it was you know me talking to camera in Times square yeah at 9 a.m on like a tuesday and i was the only person there yeah. It was the wild, super weird. Well, the hobos really came out, came out then. You realize that the, everybody else was camouflaged for them. And then when they were gone, they're like, oh my God. Elmo's just humping his leg. A lot of hobos. All those, but, <laughs> but we uh, spoke to um, a lot of people, but one, this woman uh, was really, really upsetting because she was, uh, she was undocumented and she was living in Brooklyn, uh, very hardworking. Her kids, you know, the kids barely spoke Spanish, you know, they were in school and the rest of it. And one of the things they were in public school, obviously, and, and she had to stay uh, home with the kids and she couldn't do that. But her work shut down because she was cleaning offices and they didn't want her there and there was no offices open. But the hard thing for her was that she didn't have a computer. Yes. And all the kids were like, you know, we're we're just doing Zoom calls now and I, they didn't have a laptop. And it was like, that's really not a luxury we can have at this point because they had just come not too long ago from, I think, El Salvador. And, you know, the first thing in their list, list was sort of you know, food and clothing, not like yes. fancy laptops. So that sort of thing, like the the debate about it was the elite debate about it for a lot of people who didn't have those problems and never even conceptualized those problems yeah. for people who didn't well, have the actual hardware for it, which I thought was amazing. Well, and this is the the sort of the trucker issue too, is that, that and I I tweeted about this and got a lot of flack for it at times, but the 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 idea that hey <laughs> While while you could work at home, and I'm one of those people, yeah. I could work at home and be isolated. My husband is a first responder, so he was out and about, so we were sort of exposed mm -hmm. from the beginning. But there's a there's a whole bunch of people who worked through the entire pandemic, yes. who were exposed the entire time. Lots of them. Who brought many things to your home for you. Yes. And you couldn't have done it without them. Those people got COVID. A lot of them got over COVID. Uh, they expose themselves to more risk just in general, and maybe they have a different relationship with this idea of the virus than you do. 
And there was so little compassion for that. It, it, this is a really interesting thing because I was actually going to mention this on the Patreon and I forgot. And I'm glad you reminded me of this because my interactions with people both in the city and outside of the city have been pretty consistent. I was in the city uh, the other day. I got a haircut, just a like barber guy, not an American guy. And I went in and he didn't have a mask on. And, you know, New York is like the city is like hyper mask. You go right. outside of the city, upstate Long Island, there's not a lot of masks. And you didn't have a mask on. And, and so, you know, I always do this. I'm like, I'm going to probe this. And this has happened like five times in the past two weeks. I asked this guy, I was like, you know, do you, is this a problem for people? He's like, no, 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 it's fine. And the second he started talking about COVID, like the air quotes came out on everything. He's like, you know, my friend, I'll tell you what, everybody's getting sick, you know? And I'm like, all right, Triumph. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, this thing. And I'm like, this is guy, this guy is not MAGA, not political. And every person I had talked to, somebody who came over to the house to fix something, and I was like, do you want me to put a mask on? And he's like, you fucking kidding me? And I was like, I don't know. I was going to beat me. Is it going to be like a, an anti-gay hate crime now? You're going to like punch me in the face? <laughs> Call me all sorts of slurs. But like the normal people who are not political yeah. do not have the relationship to this stuff that the people talking about it on Twitter do. It's to crazy. point that out does not it's mean very like, different. oh, you think you're talking, speaking, I saw this today. Somebody. No, somebody that was, that's the complaint. You're, you're, you're talking to the working class. You're like, no, I'm just, I'm interacting with people who, and I'm just telling you what I'm interacting with. But I also I also live in a military and first responder community. So at least one half of every couple in yeah. the neighborhood was exposed from the very yeah. beginning. Defund your neighborhood. I know. And so as a result, <laughs> thankfully, even in this sort of like insane area, I had a I had a group of families who were like kind of on the same page, like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. he's an ER doc. Like, yeah, let's get together. Sure. Yeah. That's fine. We'll yeah. be fine. Um, and so I, my kids had friends and we, we had things we could do outside, especially. And it, uh, and it turned out that was, that was a decent way to live. I think the thing that this exposed, and it kind of brings us in a, a little way away from the COVID conversation and just the conversation about everything else that's happening in the world right now is that the number of interactions I've had with people who again, aren't Trump types. They're not these kind of rock rib conservatives that whoever's leading the party, even if it's this kind of crazy guy, we're going to go, go with it are people that just don't trust. And I know this is a kind of cliche thing to say, but it's become a little sharper to me and a little more apparent to me now that just don't trust the media at all. And the reason is, and there's nothing as stark as this, if they're talking about Ukraine, right? Talking about foreign policy and you have people that come out and say, Oh, you know, COINTELPRO and they've lied and the CIA and the church commission, that's pretty niche, right? They don't interact with this stuff and you don't have, you're not reading Chomsky, the average person, but when it is something as personal to them as their kids, as their health, as COVID and the ever shifting narratives about it, the absolute brutalization of people who are not anti-vaxxers, but are just like, yeah, I don't know about this school mask thing. And it's like, what are you, a merchant of disinformation? And to see this stuff now, I'll give you an example. This is just something that I went to get us ice because we're all alcoholics. And I was looking at my phone and there was some alert. And I saw this story today and I was like, this is it. This is what I, this is what I think everyone is talking about. This jump to a narrative now, the narrative that happens when it comes to the George Floyd protests, when it comes to COVID, et cetera. It's so set in stone that it is atomizing us in a way that is so poisonous. And everyone claimed they didn't want this before. We're becoming too polarized. And as I've said, well, everyone says they don't want it, but they kind of love want it. it. They really love it. 
And there was a story, and this is a kind of a weird one to point out, that I saw Dave Chappelle was trending on Twitter. And I said, oh, he must have come and defended Joe Rogan. This is the thing that everyone's waiting for, right? Because they're very close friends. And, you know, like, transphobe defends, you know, right, racist right, right. misinformation peddler. That's a great headline. Great headline. It turns out it's not about that. Daily Beast. It turns out it was, and it was actually from the Daily Beast, that it was Dave Chappelle spoke very loudly at a town meeting in the small town that he lives in, in Ohio, against a development. And there's a big development of, you know, hundreds of condos and houses and the rest of it. And he said, I own restaurants in this town. I am starting a comedy club. And if you go through with this shit, I'm pulling my money. You want their money? You want my money? Boom, walks away from the microphone. This clip is out there. Now, it turns out that this development has some, um, you know, uh, housing for low-income people in it. So the narrative has now, oh, not only is he a transphobe, but he doesn't, he's a NIMBY and he doesn't want poor people. And I knew the second I saw that that's not what's happening here. I mean, you live in these towns and huge developments are coming in. It's going to divide the community. These are not people who hate poor people. But the number of blue check marks that without anything but one small story that had no detail in it, none in the Dayton newspaper that said Dave Chappelle, because he's already been condemned to being a bad person, a transphobe, a this, that, and the other. So it's very, very, you don't need that context anymore, just like the Rogan video of him saying the dreaded word. It doesn't matter what he was saying. You could be quoting a rap song. It doesn't make a difference. He's a bad person. This is happening now with Dave Chappelle. And the number of people that I see that are in our industry that are not trying to figure out why so many of these people in the town, that must be, because this narrative that I've heard ever since I read The Power Broker, right? That they just don't want poor people in their backyard. That has to be it. And it turns out very quickly that that's actually not it. What is it? Well, it's, you know, I'm not going to speak to this. In any, it seemed to be that there was a number of things like he didn't want people, didn't want outsiders coming in buying $600,000 houses, which is a lot for that neighborhood and just didn't want more people. And they didn't consult with the town and the townspeople. It's a very folksy little community and there's going to be 20,000 new inhabitants. Maybe that's it. That seems com completely logical. I don't know if that's true, but it's, I'm just spitballing because I've read two stories. But the difference between me and those people is I've read two stories. You're asking questions. And I'm going to yeah. say, what is the actual answer here? I'm not going to go out and condemn these people. This is happening in every fucking story now. And I know this has happened in the past, but it really seems to have picked up a real kind of rapidity to the spread of these stories. And it's always, you know, the people are protecting you against misinformation. Yes. They're now like, you know, look at Dave Chappelle. He's not only a trans, he's a NIMBY, right? This is trending on Twitter and the number of people that I've seen spreading the story in the past hour. I don't know. How, maybe that's true, but I don't yeah. know it to be true no, right there, now. There's no, no effort to look in any this deeper is than that. fucking everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And the Rogan story, why I think it's important is not because Joe Rogan is, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's a wealthy this, that, and the other. Why does that matter? Do wealthy people now have a separate threshold of truth that we can actually be very kind of flabby with what is true? Well, he's a wealthy guy who he can take it. That's always the thing with like the people that are quote unquote yeah. canceled. It's like, well, he's like powerful. He can get another job. It's Neat. not very fun to go through this stuff and have people abandon you and call you a, a, a racist. Also, and a again, on the theme of just like not being so invested in what other people do. It's just like, it's just, freaking talking to people he's yeah. just talking to the people yeah and but people he's are not talking like they're talking i know when they go and excuse they say i'm sorry that i just said this word i sorry i said that word when they're having a flat white at the cafe for seven hours 
You know, look, I, you look, I, 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 admittedly, I just find it very frustrating. I'll just put my biases on the table. I've been here for every iteration of Joe Rogan news radio news radio. Yeah. I was here for the fear factor. Yeah. I'm a UFC yeah. fan yeah. and I listen to the podcast, right? Like I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a fan girl, but I'm, I'm here for yeah, it. Sure. And I just am, I'm sort of mystified by how upset people are. Is no, you're a- not though. You're not. Because you're taking it at their word. Don't take them at their word. They're not upset by this. They see an opportunity to knock somebody off right. who is like, there was a great example of this that somebody spread far and wide a list of oh, the quote unquote bias of his guests. Yes. They're more right wing. And of course, the people are right wing are like Russell Brand. I mean, for yes, this sake. is, by the way, Matthew Sheffield, I believe, uh, who has, is one of the people who's followed a trajectory from conservative oh, was he a conservative to now i think that i made matthew sheffield uh, write two or three corrections on the single washington post op-ed in which he uh mentioned stuff about reason in its past wait but, he, he was like a right winger that became yes. yeah, like yeah, david exactly. yes so, yeah. so an, another theme of this podcast yes yeah but yeah all the the, the right wingers and by the by the way they're just filthy opportunities did, i don't know if you guys knew mm-hmm but there are some media organizations or voices that will give more slots to one side yeah. than the other. Yeah. And yeah. I had never come across this before, mm-hmm. but because of this list, I am now yeah. in tune to the idea that I should be very upset about But this. maybe that list is just proof that Joe Rogan is like, oh, these voices aren't heard in, you know, yes! in ordinary media. Maybe we should have them on my this show. Is, this is my thing. I'm like uh, a human counter program. Yeah. And that, yeah. That's what Joe Rogan is too. He's yeah. like, where's where are the things we're not talking about? Is there like a thick class war thing uh, uh, yes. in this yes. Mary Catherine? I know Michael thinks so, yeah. but like what do you Wait, think? Wait, like so? an Alan? I just have to say, yeah, I instinctively have to just say yes, even though Mary Catherine's answering. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> in basically everything that we've talked about, yeah. like from from like the way that people depict and argue about COVID policy, the way that people depict the Canadian trucker revolt, yes. the way that we're talking about Joe Rogan. And and like it's very interesting to see how people use the Joe Rogan case consumers when they're hearing and 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 consuming media about it. Uh, I'm not even convinced that they're themselves Joe Rogan listeners, but they see him as a oh, no. stand-in for someone who, for better or for worse, is kind of normal, and yes. they see how the normal guy is being trashed. By like uh, an elite media, I don't want to necessarily well, I think, be that I think guy. With, uh, with with Joe Rogan and Dana White as well, UFC is sort of a signifier yeah. of that. It's a it you know any sort of wrestling fighting is like oh, this is very lowbrow mm-hmm. for people who work in media, for people who are elite media, who pe- for people who have Ivy League degrees or what have you. Um, no, I think it it changes how people think about them because of this class element. And I think the people who are the gatekeepers don't love that someone who's a UFC commentator might be the guy that people listen to for interesting conversations. Yeah. But you know what? He's got a lot of time. And he's an in- here's the thing about him. He's an interested person. And when an interested person asks people questions, you get interesting answers. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of media is built around not actually being very interested in what anyone's saying, but finding the thing you want them to tell you. Yeah. I mean, his That's, response to this yeah. is, um, so he did stand up the other night. And yes. Which that, good for him, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And Get he, on that stage. And he, yeah. And he had Oshkosh on the, um, 
Andrew Schultz's kind of partner on the flagrant podcast on too. Uh, so he's, he's done a podcast since uh, this, this controversy. And I, apparently he spoke about it. I haven't listened to it, but when he was on stage, I read an account of this and he had a funny bit about, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I'm a dummy. Like, I don't, I don't trust you if you're listening to me kind of thing. But people dismiss that. They, oh, well, yeah, that's what, you know, kind of, I used to dismiss that when John Stewart said, you know, the clown knows on clown knows off thing. I'm being serious and no, I'm just a comedian. Um, the thing about that is there is something, it is actually the right thing to say for, for him in response, because what people in the media are saying is that ordinary people can't have conversations when they have a certain audience. Why are you restricting that? You're saying, well, he has 11 million people. This is what's always said, right? He's has 11 million people and he's talking to these people. I want to talk to those people too. I'm interested in what they have to say, but well, his job is to refute it in real time. Motherfucker, that's not your job. You think that's what your job is as a journalist now. And that's what journalism has become. Democracy dies in darkness. It's not like I don't report things anymore. I report them and I say without evidence, that's not real, right? That's what has become a thing. We survived quite well in the past, by the way, with journalists being biased, as everyone's going to be. That's just, It's going to happen without explicitly saying everything was bullshit. Everything was wrong. Everything was false. I mean, you know, they tried to do that. There's a certain amount of that during the Vietnam War, but it was never explicit. And when when Cronkite takes the glasses off that night and says this is an unwinnable war, it was so crazy that we all know about it now and we can yeah. picture that image of it because it was not a thing that people did. What is the right thing? The Cronkite way or just the kind of we're going to give you the facts and you adjudicate what's true or not? I don't really have an opinion on that beyond the fact that you are basically saying the, this is my domain. I know what's true and false. Yes. I am the adjudicator of this stuff. When Joe Rogan, who doesn't know that because he's a dummy UFC guy, has an audience that's that big, he cannot have that conversation. And the thing he is, has to have a conversation with somebody, a wingman who's going to actually, you know, check everything. And that is the path to shutting everything down off of YouTube that does not conform to a very, very narrow set of beliefs that turn out oftentimes to be fucking wrong. Yes. Sorry, That's but it's the thing. true. They're not good at telling truth. Everybody from told false. me in college Mumia was innocent. He's guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up learning the Rosenbergs were set up. They were spies. <laughs> Fuck off. Jerk offs. All of you. It's like the things that are corrected over time. Yes. Just look at the number. Actually, you know, find, you know, create some sort of math problem that gives the number of things that have changed the truth. You know this. That's why the fucking 1619 Project exists, to tell everybody that everything that you learned was wrong. <laughs> but now you're telling me that everything I'm learning in real time about something has to be right. And if I question it, oh, God, yes. you're, you're everything that's bad. Kicked off the platform. You know what? Joe Rogan in his video that he did, um, the Instagram video, the first uh, kind of non-apology when he, when, he, when he spoke to it, he said, and it was they got him on the race thing because you can't get a, get away from that. That's just you're just going to be destroyed for that. No one's going to ask for context. But that he said, look, these are the things that were told to us about. Yes, he was. He and was this right. is, and, and, and they all changed. So hey, I'm not actually doing a bad thing. I'm doing kind of a service in this sense. Nobody argued back against that. They were like, um, did he say the N word? Let's just let's let's get just some, go yeah. with that. Let's get a bunch of like uh, you know kids that are that are interns to find that. We're in a bad state. That I love debate and I love having people on this podcast. I love talking to friends who are fucking morons, who are fucking wrong. We have two podcasts in this, on the fifth column, talking about Venezuela with literal chavistas who like are 
Do I say they're dangerous? They're spreading dangerous ideas. They might convince people, no, because I know that I have them on and I can give the counter argument and I'm confident <laughs> and pompous enough to think that I will fucking win the and they world, will fucking lose. The world Good needs God. our kind of pomposity. Yes. That's what the world needs. Yes, we need governed by pompous pricks like us. <laughs> Dear God, the will to power just oh like finally expressed itself. Low blood sugar. No. All it takes is Sorry. like a half a bottle of tequila and that's and, it. And yeah. like a blood sugar that's like about 75. Right oh, right. dear Lord. Oh, no, Lord. But, but your point about normal people not being allowed to have these conversations, yes. that is the nature of the COVID argument in general. Because, like, like I pitched something to someone recently, and it was like, well, uh, they're a little uncomfortable with a non-science person writing this. Uh-huh. And it's like, well, the problem with the pandemic has been that we have said that only these public health officials who are only obsessed with this one thing are allowed to make cost-benefit analyses. And the rest of us actually can think through yeah. these things. But also the people that and Rogan's getting criticized for are actual science people. I know that too. I mean, they might be wrong. <laughs> I don't, I didn't pay attention that closely, but one of the guys has a number of patents on the mRNA vaccines, yes, but right? The, but the, he could be fucking problem, crazy. I have no idea, but he's a science they, guy. The problem they allegedly have is that he's, he's influencing, influencing all these normal people who can't make decisions. They can't make yes. these decisions. We have to tell them these things. And it's like, no, a lot of normal people can look at the data and decide you know what's what I, right. You know what's funny about that is that one of the things that I found so illuminating about all the fucking time that I spent with Trump people over the past four years at rallies and at, at campaign events and all this stuff was that every single person, I mean, it was like, I would say to my producer who could, I could get him, I could text him and he would respond like, yep, that was the thing that happened. Every single person would be like, you know what? We don't really like the tweets. We think he's a, a loony, but like, they hate you. That's the motivating That's, factor. And they're willing. And again, I, I, you might be right that this is a bad kind of cost benefit analysis in this way of like, I'm going to put that to the side, that this guy is a, a, a sociopath and a nutcase and an amazing liar. He lies about everything. But I'm going to put that aside because I hate you so much. Like, right? That That's probably a bad calculation in my mind, but that is the calculation they do understand. So just because you vote for that guy, which I would never do and didn't in two elections, it doesn't mean that you're just a halfwit. It's, I've yeah. met too many people that are too clever that were just like angry protest votes. And you can't discount 74 million people. You just can't. It's just not a, a good way to go through life. Well, and I think what people <laughs> miss, and this is the Joe Rogan thing too, is like, you gave them reason to yeah. hate you. Yes. You gave them reason to mistrust, distrust you, mistrust. I get mis- both. Both of them. Misinformation, disinformation. Yes. <laughs> you gave them good reason not to trust you. This is not a made up thing. Mm. You gave them good reason to protest in Ottawa. They've had their lives disrupted yep. for two years. This is not a thing that shouldn't be addressed. Yes, right. Today, today. Jen Psaki uh, was asked about um, whether the uh, states, the 37 states that don't have a mask mandate, in fact, quite a few of them uh, have anti-mask uh, mandates. You can't have a mask mandate in the Which is also district. stupid, by the way. Um, I think so, too. But uh, um, she was saying, well, are, is, is the, the Biden administration's uh, view that the people in those states should – wear masks at age two, which is the CDC recommendation, which is, of right. course, completely at odds with the recommendations everywhere else in the world. 
Like, there's no place, as far as I know, that is recommending that people under the age of five uh, certainly would wear masks. And in many countries in Europe, they almost haven't worn any masks right. under the age of 11. And she said, yeah, yeah, um, that is certainly our recommendation is that everybody in this country wear masks in a school setting at age two. Um, there's no there's no evidence there's nothing for this. There's there's nothing. By the way, I I know we haven't we haven't pinned down. No one's pinned down where the two year old thing came from. And Congress has tried. They've sent letters to the CDC and said like, Hey, could you explain where this came from? Because no one's no one's masking two year olds but us. And uh, I no. went I went back through the Wayback Machine. I got obsessed. Jeremy, one day. there's a lot of dead Belgian babies. Though. You should really just point that I out. Got. We're doing it because of all so, the dead right, European of course, children. Of course, they're very high risk. <laughs> so I went through the Wayback Machine on the CDC's website to see when did when did two years old show up, and I found it. Oh, it was April fourth, twenty twenty, and here's how it showed up. In the first iteration of recommending masks where it was we were all we we're still talking about making our own cloth masks yeah they were giving we're doing. they mm-hmm. were giving you some sewing designs yeah, it yeah, was ad- i remember that yeah it was yeah. adorable yeah um and on that page it said do not put masks on anyone under two now my theory is that in all these meetings of the bureaucrats someone was like hey we should like tell people not to put masks on their babies because that would be bad because they'll suffocate yeah you know, that's, that's not good. We've been doing the whole no crib bumpers for yeah, exactly, 30 years. Right? Let's let's not have them put masks <laughs> over the baby, yeah. over the infant's faces. Yeah. And I, somewhere along the way in the next several months and then into the Biden administration, for sure, don't put masks on babies so that they don't suffocate became forcibly mask anyone over two. And that is how government works. That- everyone. Absolutely, I believe that. That sounds. I think that's what happened. Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, Jen Saki, by the way, went to uh, high school in Greenwich, Connecticut. So when people, if you're from the Northeast, you know what that means. Um, <laughs> it's like it, it's a class rage. Oh my god! Never. And now I mean, never fallow. If there's no traffic, I'm going to drive to Greenwich, Connecticut, and burn down the high school. <laughs> and I'm going to like just I'm, I'm going to go out like a Massachusetts accent when they pull up, like yeah, I fucking burn it down. <laughs> Fuck you and Saki. All these fucking people. Yeah, no, I just... Look at this nose. Yeah, fucking look at this nose. I broke it fucking punching Jen Saki's father. It's a fucking real estate developer. Fucking loser. I'm driven utterly mad by this stuff, and particularly uh, the utter contempt for people who don't agree with you. You know, it's funny to think about. Joanna, my um, lovely ex, who's still a friend of mine. We talk all the time. She's lovely. She's Swedish. She said to me one time, I've ever told you this when we came to America for the first time, came to America for the first time. And this is actually true. You can ask her about this. We were at a party in Brooklyn and this woman was, you know, kind of buttonholed her and was talking about this man that she met. And, uh, you know, he seemed great. And she was like, but he was a fucking Republican and oh. goes off on this Jack. Right. And Joanna's not in any way sophisticated about American politics then. I mean, she's now, and she said to me afterwards, she's like, it was so weird. I met this woman and she just assumed that I would find this horrible. But like half the country is like these people. Why did she assume? And I was like, okay, oh. so let me explain this. <laughs> Joanna, you are wise. Yeah, you are wise. You, you don't realize how wise you're being right now. Yeah. You understand now. And she probably laugh at this thought. We've, we've actually talked about it fairly recently. 
But that's the thing is that the people that, you know, the SNL sketch about the Brooklyn bubble is great. It's very, very funny. And to not realize that you are living in that bubble when it comes to COVID policy, when it comes to BLM protests and the one thing that motivates people. And I think this is generally true. And I don't, I, there's no, I don't have any data on this, but just personal experience is not single at this point. And this it used to be in the past, a lot of single issue stuff, right? You know, the, we, we always talk about what's the matter with Kansas. Like, why do you vote this way? Well, because I'm opposed to abortion. That's why I don't care about the government subsidies. I'm opposed to abortion. The thing that I think that motivates people more than anything right now is brazen, blatant hypocrisy. So when you say, you know, the COVID virus doesn't attack you if you're at a BLM protest, people got mad about that. Yes. That was a, bre- I, I, the that was a breaking point that, even for me. Yeah. I mean, like people literally, I did this uh, uh, documentary, two of them, uh, well, both of them, this had the same actual theme with everybody was like, that was a huge issue. The second one, because it was after BLM was the big issue of like, why do these people like, and now imagine this in the context of the Canada protests, right? Like we have to shut them down. We have to send the police in like, wait, I thought you liked protesting when people feel disenfranchised, right? That they go out and actually do something about it in a way that is nonviolent, but is obstructing government to force their hand. That is now considered rather gauche, rather, yes. You know, and by the way, in in these situations, both situations, BLM or the truckers, right? The the ask is, we are going to disrupt things for you to to make the point that this government action is hurting us. And in the case of the truckers or whoever or anti lockdown protests, the media is like, we'll take the side of the state. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's in fairness. the, The truckers are honking a lot. The most Canadian thing in the world is that a judge ruled they have to stop honking. But (laughs) that was amazing. It was like, oh my God, man, you got like honking out there. What are you doing? Right? Go to fucking Tim Hortons and get a double double and fucking relax. You cannot convince me that Canadians are suddenly not polite, right? Like like these these protests are fine. It's civil disobedience. It's obstructive. It's there are things happening, but like. If there was if there was a lot of violence, it would be nothing but that. Like we would see nothing. It should but be that. hockey fights. They're trying. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. If they were on skates, they'd yeah. be fighting all the that time. Was, That's yeah. the only time they fight. There's a Twitter thread that both of you probably saw like two or three days ago from I think a Canadian journalist. Uh, maybe a journalist. Yeah, uh, maybe oh, cool. a couple. Uh, CBC I'd like to meet one of them. Was like a you know very Get anguished thirteen you know uh, uh, tweet thread. Um, talking in kind of escalating way about how this is serious auto it's snarled and it's, it's, it's coming to a sort of a, an impasse. What are we going to do in X, X, Y, and Z. And, uh, and, but it was also very factual. So like it was kind yeah. of gripping, it was walking you through like how this could be a pretty serious thing. And, you know, by the time that, uh, that we release this, maybe some of this is uh, dissipated, but by the end, like he's sort of like, it's a pretty dark uh, conclusion. And the first response of this very, very popular uh, thread was, um, um, or maybe you could just get rid of the, the vaccine mandate for truckers. Or do the Biden thing, right? <laughs> you could just do that. Just do the Biden thing, which is it introduce the mandate and then never enforce it. And yes. kind of it slowly disappears. And, and That's a way of doing it. Right? Kicked out. Well, it's a way of doing it, but it's also that way of doing it precisely is the way to sow more distrust. Oh, it yes. is, actually, it's like yeah. to say is, that, yeah. that the problem with the coronavirus and the pandemic response in the United States 
is that you're not complying enough. Yeah. And like, we're Americans, dude. Like, regardless of everything else, if you absolutely tell us we must do something, we might kind of flinch a bit. This is this is yeah. the thing that I think so many people in the areas where we live did not understand. I suddenly I was like, Oh, you thought you thought you'd get a hundred percent of people <laughs> yeah. doing because that's not a thing. That's not a thing. And that's not a thing in free society. No anywhere. It is what they think is a thing though. I mean, these are people that are totally stunned that people disagree with them on any point. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I experience this in my everyday life all the time. I mean, the, the opinions that I think that we have in this podcast are probably, you know, in a lot of senses, kind of left of center in a lot of uh, parts of the country, maybe sort of centrist in others, maybe slightly right of center in, in others and agreeing with people. Every single opinion that I have in the context of New York is like between Franco and Mussolini. And it's like, oh, no, trying to figure out where if it's they like, hear us outside <laughs> this window, there will be a Molotov cocktail. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, they'll, as long as they're not snarling traffic, we're in Chinatown. But I, mean, I don't like these types of protests, to be honest. I mean, it's not my kind of thing, right? I don't like it when, you know, my BLM upset in New York was not about the, the actual message. No, it's blocking a bridge. No, like, you want to live your stop. life. Yeah. I, like you're ruining my life. And this is like an annoying way of doing it. setting cop cars on fire. This is so only not doing in Canada. No, I know. But this is the thing. Think about this for a second is that when you realize that so much of the anger is motivated by hypocrisy, which I think it is right when the BLM protests happened in New York, there was a cop car set on fire in burned quite brightly in for a very long time about 200 yards from my old apartment in Fort Greene, right by Fort Greene. Yeah, I remember that. Like a very nice kind of bougie neighborhood that was once not a nice bougie neighbor, but is now. And it was like, yeah, a cab. Fuck these people. And <laughs> then there were people that were arrested. Uh, two of them, I think, were lawyers that were arrested for like, you know, That's having right. Molotov cocktails. And everyone was like, free yes. these people. They've been blah, blah, blah. They've been mistreated. That, <laughs> like, might be, that might be true. I don't know. They've been mistreated. I have no idea. I don't fucking follow this stuff. And I don't fucking care. I truly, there's too many things in the world to care about than some fucking person that went to Oberlin and has a fucking degree and is a lawyer and has a fucking Molotov and cocktail throw, in their pocket. Like, honestly, America. fucking grow up. Like, grow the fuck up. You're a loser. Go home. Watch the newest version of Sex in the City or whatever the fuck it is that you stupid people watch. I don't care. But I'm not going to worry about you so much. At the same time, maybe they are being mistreated. Who knows? But the point is not about what the message is or what they're saying or what they're doing. It's that if one of those fucking things happened... In Ottawa. Yes. Good God. I would have to throw my fucking TV out the window because <laughs> every idiot that didn't even know that Canada was a country would be opining this is very how you gravely know it's not on happening. MSNBC. Yes. This is how you know it's not happening. It's fucking drives me crazy. And it makes me one of those reactionary people. And that's what's making people reactionary. It's not because they want to fucking be white supremacists. It's because they hate this kind of fucking yes. hypocrisy, which is like slapping them in the face all the time. We oppose this. You said we were bad people for opposing it, the, the, the uh, Black Lives Matter stuff. There were literally people that left their jobs in journalism because they said maybe burning things is not the right thing to do. Give me that thing. Just do not make a political sort of like we have to I have to meet a political threshold. Just allow me to do that. I'm just going to go burn shit down like the bodega. That guy's a fucking dick. He's always like being rude to, I'll burn it down and I'll just give a political excuse at the end. He didn't offer health care to his workers. I burnt the shit yeah, down. Just, just make sure your excuse is left. Oh my, of course, is, of course. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's going to yeah. be the best excuse ever. 
Like, fuck these people. I'm just like the hypocrisy of this is what motivates people. And what motivates me is having probably a quarter of a bottle of tequila right now. (laughs) So I just realized that. Maybe I should go home. Just pointing out that uh, Thomas Chatterton Williams uh, has a book coming out that he's working on about 2020 being a hinge point. And I wonder about that, especially May and June and July of 2020. That was also a super crazy time. It was a... An interesting time for this podcast, like a lot of people at that time, were like, holy crap, yeah. the world's going crazy. COVID had a lot to do with it. Uh, COVID, COVID, too. COVID had a lot to do with the the, the epiphenomenon in the country as well. Yeah. Like the George Floyd point protests wouldn't have been the same without COVID. Absolutely right. not. Um, and, but we kind of lost our mind a little bit in those three months, especially in like knowledge class industries. Well, knowledge class industries who care about misinformation lied to us the entire extent of that protest number. It took people like Glenn Lowry and, and John McWhorter and people like that who said, like, look, you might not agree with what they believe about race politics in America and the world, whatever it might be. But when they have a very, very basic thing and says, you know, this is actually fairly uncommon. John used to point out, um, still does point out Tony Timpa a guy who was white and had almost the exact same thing happened to him as George Floyd. And like, there's a, like I met a guy, this this guy was so amazing. The young black kid in Kenosha. So I was in Kenosha the day after that kicked off. And after the Rittenhouse thing, the day after the Rittenhouse thing, just like a white supremacist would be. Uh, Yeah. 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 No, I, it wasn't journalism. I just, I (laughs) I gotta gotta go. Just there for the funsies. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tim pool. And I rented a car. (laughs) So that explains the beanie. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea about that guy. But um, but so I went there and there was this kid that I've mentioned before. And he was this kid, it was this young black kid who was from Kenosha and he was a skateboard kid. And he had a camera and he would go around. And the most amazing thing about him and why we really latched onto him is that everybody loved him. So he'd go around and he'd be on a skateboard with his like GoPro, like live streaming everything. He'd live stream the whole fucking thing. And people would be like, yo, what's that? And then, and then the Trump people would be like, oh my God, you're whatever his name was. And I talked to him and I said, finally, like, can I just interview you and just talk to you? And I said, look, you're a young black kid here. There's all this stuff happening in Kenosha. Do you think this is the first question? I said, do you think that the Kenosha police have a race problem, a racism problem? And he said, no, I don't actually. I think they have a power problem and they just fuck with people and it's a power issue. And it really doesn't really matter who you are They're They have a power issue. And like that kind of made a certain amount of sense to me, seeing that in the broader context of things. But in that moment, nobody wanted to hear that. Nobody. Because they were like, don't bring that back. That's not what we want. We want to hear the fact that these, I mean, look, the, the, the Jacob Blake thing, I mean, how many people now know, I mean, the Kyle Rittenhouse thing, the, the number of people that thought that he killed two black people. Two black people. Yeah. It's amazing. And the Jacob Blake thing is like, I don't know if they made the right call. I'm not a cop. I'm not a, you know, I'm not on that jury. I don't know the, all the details, but I do, I do know he had a knife on him. Yeah, he was not unarmed. He was actually armed and the whole narrative is unarmed. And this is the moment of disinformation, disinformation, this, that, and the other. So when we're, when people like John and Glenn and, you know, friends of ours and Thomas and even Camille are talking about, well, I don't know if these numbers make sense. They're killing us. They're hunting us down in the streets. We're dying every day. Well, I don't, that's not actually true. <laughs> be my guest and say that, but you're don't say it in public. Don't say it on the zoom call with the kids at school or something when they're talking about doing a DEI meeting. No, first of all, that skater kid 
should run for office, but then that would ruin him. So let's not. But yeah. he's wise. The only person, by the way, in that whole shoot that I had no idea what his politics were. No, wh- no idea. You know, no idea. You know what he's like? Like what a reporter should be. Yeah, he, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I appreciate exactly right. that. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. Look, I'm I'm a person who's for criminal justice reform, and yeah, very much so. Yeah. Much like I was for sending my kids to public school, and people just want to chase me away from this position. They just want to mm-hmm. chase me away from it. Yeah. Um, and I think a, a one turning point for me was that uh, I don't remember what state it was in, but there was an attempted stabbing of the one girl. Oh, and, and then the cop and the cop intervened yeah. yes. and and shot, shot and shot him, the yeah. girl who was going to yes. stab and kill another yes. teenager. Yes. Yeah. And this was portrayed as sure. the most Bull horrendous. Yeah. Look, look, I distrust law enforcement. He did save a life in general <laughs> by taking. Life. No, this, but this is the thing. Like he was treated like this awful, awful, awful person. It's like, walked up on a scene where somebody was literally about to die swinging an arm with a knife on it yes human that that one broke my brain and by the way there was the the neighbors right across the street and this got very little attention was a black couple and they said i don't understand what the 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 controversy is they guy did absolutely what he should have done but again the narrative was written the second it happened yeah I mean, that's what journalism has become in a, in a lot of ways of like, let's push this into the narrative box and figure out if it's true later. Maybe they don't. No, they don't do that part. <laughs> yeah. The figuring out if it's true is like, maybe, maybe not. But no, I mean, her oppo research uh, comment at the beginning is, is the true one. And we talked about it on the last episode, uh, Patreon or wherever it was yeah. um, that like, we're now just uh, surfacing oppo research and treating it not as something to try to assess the veracity claims, which are kind of important from a journalistic point of view, but more to, to like point at the scoreboard. Yeah. Like, wow, scored a lot of points there with that Apple re- yeah. research. And like, that's no, that wasn't supposed to be the point here of this exercise. No, I think we're all fucked. I think that's, that's where we are now. I mean, I think that's where we've, landed <laughs> yeah, that's where we've landed let's land that plane crash well, land let's, that plane let's land the fifth column plane now i've been doing this for a while so um and let's land it on a question for mary Catherine. Yeah. i i i have one do you have one Will i you? want to hear yours no you don't it's super offensive that's why i want to hear it oh my god is it the I, is it about the adidas boobs ad that that by the Which way that ones was were yours did i send that to you Mm-mm. No, oh, I said to Matt, I was like, maybe I want to talk about this Adidas boobs ad. Did you send it to Matt? I, I think know. I did. I, I think maybe I just put it in my notes. No, you're just sending that to your what do you friends. Think about the friends. Save it for say, what did you think about that uh, uh, Twitter post of all those jacked up boobs? <laughs> you know what I? You know what I thought? Um, yeah. You know what I thought? I was like, I'll, I'll probably check out the sports bra. So I guess they. Yeah. I guess yeah. it worked. Oh, so yeah. it worked on you? Yeah. Did some woman is like I felt bad about my left breast my whole life, but this German company that was probably started by Nazis. I don't need to be affirmed. It's fine. If people are too stupid to figure out COVID stuff because they listen to Joe Rogan, what do we think about the people that are being convinced by Adidas Twitter ads that just have a bunch of weird boobs in them? Is that? (laughs) Why are are those boobs weird? Well, that's what they said. I didn't no, say that. Okay, so sure. like you think these are weird. I'm like, I didn't think that now, but I do now. <laughs> I didn't. Say I did it that. before. Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> but these boobs that are weird are not weird. Dennis Be Leary, proud had a, of your body. Dennis Leary had a great uh, bit about boobs, like in one of his '90s comedy albums that my wife loves. 
um, which is that, and this is no he, cure for cancer, probably probably no cure for cancer, which is hilarious. Yeah. And he stole half that bet. Yeah. He from did everybody from Bill Hicks, like yeah. really bad, like really ripped off. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he pointed out like from a dude's point of view, especially at a certain age, all boobs fucking great. That's true. Boobs are great. I can confirm that as an old person, that that is actually <laughs> true. If you, if you, if you grant me the right to just be in the company of them, I'm like, those You're are like, pretty oh, great. You're like, oh, this yeah. is good. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I'd like to be friends with them, but that's up to you. <laughs> Do we want to see Seth Rogen in an underwear ad on Times Square? Does no, anyone? It never, it never happens. John C. Riley. Do we want to see that on time? I mean, kind the of. The answer to both of those questions is yes, but kind of yeah. happens. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I've been waiting my whole life. Yeah. Well, who is the, who is the male Lizzo who's going to be on the cover of magazines for men? John Goodman in, in his prime. Yeah. But like, it hasn't oh, actually, happened. I would, I would have been here for that. Yeah. I no, would it would be, it would be Jack Black. It would absolutely be Jack Black. He's amazing. Yeah. And he would fucking so rock funny, it yeah. and he would win. Yeah. 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 But like, would it be, <laughs> like, I love ending on this totally weird note. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> but like, it's what it happens when you drink a bottle of tequila? Yeah, sure. But whatever. That was delicious. Um, <laughs> don't tell me to stop drinking that. You fucking scold. <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? But, <laughs> but like, why? I feel bad about my body. Like I told you a story when you came to my, my daughter was body shaming me. When I mean, 10 years old. And she's like, good God, you body truthing you. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's denied. She's not like a denier. But that's that means something's not true. At least true, she right? hasn't said to you yet, as one of my daughters has said to me recently, the youngest one, of like, Daddy, are you pregnant? Oh my god. <laughs> wow. I mean Wow. <laughs> oh man. I okay, so I want to end it on this. I want fat men on the cover of magazines to make me feel better about myself. Okay. Yeah. I feel like shit about myself. Why are there no magazines there? Like this men's health? They're healthy. Yeah, they're all I'm healthy. Not. Why is there no one for me? Do you want like Greg Gutfeld on the cover? Like, no, he's in good shape compared to me. I think, he, yeah. I think he's probably really? fine. You, you need, you need I want somebody. Bob Beckel, but I think he died. <laughs> Did he die? He died. Oh, he fuck. Died. Yeah. All right. That was the worst episode we ever recorded, man. Or was and that the best episode? It's like I both. No, I think it was the best. Both. Wait, I, hold on. That was the best episode we ever recorded, right? I mean, now you're just like making it up to me, but whatever. Yeah, I think, I, I, I I think we did a good job. Yeah. 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 Is there a question? Did you have a question? You fucking suck. That's it. <laughs> right. You're never, you're never coming back, Mary Catherine. No, Mary Catherine Ham is my favorite person and I haven't seen you in so long. It's so good to see you. And thank you for coming on in um, fucking the shortest possible notice. Yeah, shortest Based possible on notice. Instagram stalking. Yes. from some people here. I don't know who. By the way, also shout out to my husband who had the baby while I was here. It, yes, exactly. I was going to just- and listened to you get drunk, <laughs> which is kind of sweet. Thanks, babe. I was going to say um, that's why I was, was going to say bad mother, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, but- I am actually a model for bad mothers. That's yes. what I, I want to. Give that the to the moms <laughs> of the world. <laughs> I yeah. I have an Instagram shot of drinking and yes. drinking a martini while I'm breastfeeding, yeah. and I'm like, yes, bring the yeah. hate, bring and the hate. Also, buy all of Mary Catherine's insane like swimming what? system for six oh, year olds. Yeah. What no, I, I made it? I invented something. She invented something. My husband and I. What? Yeah. What did you invent? <laughs> you We're got- producing it. It's called Kid Fins. 
kid fins? Yeah, it's uh, it's an adjustable buoyancy vest so that they can progress through stages in the water. Wow. Yeah, I know. I just, I like, like, his mind is blown right no, now. I'm, like, such a bad parent. <laughs> like, when, when I just Person. get my daughter, I mean, like, cigarettes and, like, just stop bothering me. It's a I menthol. Mean, it tastes like it tastes like candy. Just shut up. Your daughter probably like swam by herself at one and a half because she was like, "I got this, I got this." That's why you only have one because the second one's going to disappoint you after that. So, <laughs> no, um, I, I I got I got things going on. You can follow me at MK Hammer, MK Hammer Time Substack. Just look it up. It's good times. I like and, Substack. Uh, I have and, a good uh, feeling about oh, Substack. And I have a podcast myself. Wait, it's, what? It's called Getting Hammered. Really? What is this it's new? Weird. We haven't been invited. It's newish. Yes. How long? And been? you have not been invited because we haven't had guests yet. I'm hammered right now. What, what, should I come on? <laughs> should we just do it? Should we just record it right now? So I can rip it. It'd Let's be just, perfect. Yeah. Uh, I do. I. It's with Vic Mattis. <laughs> oh God! So you can hear that on Wednesdays and Fridays. And that's and that is a Substack production, or is that no? It's on separate? all the places where you get your podcast. Okay. Getting and hammered. Getting hammered. Brand new. Um, you can't lose with that because it's Mary Catherine and Vic Mattis is a very funny guy. Very fun. Uh, he's a Filipino. Right? Yes. And uh, well, a lovely you know, guy. Diversity is important. Yes. Representation I, I matters. Know. That was a good one. Fucking rip it. Bye. 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 We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column.